Thanks for listening to the podcast from Gary Combs and the preaching team at Eastgate Church in Wilson, North Carolina. Check us out on the web at eastgate.church for more. And now, here's... Today we begin Advent. What does Advent mean? That's the title of our series, Advent means what? Dot, dot, dot. What does it mean? Well, as we mentioned earlier, the word Advent comes from the Latin word Adventus, which means coming, approach, or arrival. And when we expect guests at our house, don't we turn the lights on, especially the light out front? Don't we unlock the door and we get our houses ready in anticipation of the arrival of guests? And in like manner, at Advent, in our churches and in our homes, we turn on the lights and we get ready to remember not only that Christ has come, but that He is coming again. We remember both Advents, the truth of the reality of His first coming and in anticipation of His next. And speaking of anticipation, that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about the word hope, because Advent means hope. And at Jesus' first advent, he was proclaimed as Savior, as we read from the angels in the book of Luke, speaking to the shepherds at night. They said, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This is the first advent. And the second advent, we hear the Apostle Paul refer to when he says, We are those who have longed for his appearing. That's who we are. And that's what hope is. It's anticipation. It's expectation. It's waiting with a sense of longing. And here we are. We rest between two advents. We are the people of God. We are aware of his first appearing. And we look forward in hope to his second appearing. Do you remember the sense of anticipation you had when you were children approaching the Christmas season? Do you remember that? The Christmas tree was going up, and you were prepared, and you were thinking about it. You know, we tend to lose that sense of anticipation. But I remember there used to be this catalog that would come out along about late September. That gave you a full three months to dog ear and circle everything you could in that Sears wish book. That, the one that we're popping up on the screen, I still remember this one, man. This is 1968. I don't know where some of you were in 1968, but I remember this, this catalog. Me and my brother, we went through this catalog. We had it dog-eared. We had pages marked and underlined. We had great anticipation of what Christmas was going to be that year. I think that's what Sears had in mind. They gave the children three months to just drive their parents crazy with anticipation. And, you know, we, uh, we had that wish book for 60 years, from 1933 to 1993. Sears put that out every year. And then they stopped. Uh, well, uh, Amazon's picked up the torch, if you will. Even though they're an online uh, uh, digital company, they recognize there's still power in putting out a catalog. And so this year marks the third year they've put out their own wish book. Here's a picture of the one they sent out this year. It's entitled Amazon's Holiday Dash. They didn't want to just come right out and say, we ripped Sears off. This is a wish book. That's what this is, right? And so the thing that, uh, that I would say to you today is we need more than a wish book. We need more than a wish book. We need hope. You see, because hope, biblical hope, is stronger than wish. You know, we'll say uh, the word hope like a wish. We'll, we'll use it like as a synonym. We'll say, I hope it doesn't rain today. We have no confidence whether it will or not. We have no control or a promise or expectation. Uh, we just throw it up like wishes. But biblical hope, blessed hope, is more than a wish. 
It's a confident expectation that what God has promised will surely come to pass. That's biblical hope because it rests in Christ Jesus. I wonder today, do you have that kind of hope? Do you have the kind of hope that is secure in the person of Jesus? As I look around our world today, I see a lot of hopelessness, don't you? I see a world that's often without hope. When we watch the news, does the news give us hope? No, the news from around the world shows how hopeless our world is today. Uh, I, I remember when we were younger, don't you remember when you were younger, that it seemed like the world was full of hope and possibilities. Perhaps as we get older, that's what changes. Uh, I, when we're younger, it's like, I'm hopefully looking forward to graduating from school. I, I, I'm hopefully looking forward to meeting that certain someone and getting married someday. Or I, I hope to have children. We had this anticipation about the future, about the unknown, the mystery, the things that were coming. I hope to purchase our first home. That's exciting. I hope to have a car. To These are kind of things you start thinking. And then as you get older, you've kind of worked through a lot of those. And you start hoping for other things like, um, I hope to have a good vacation. Maybe we'll go to the Bahamas this year. Or, or then you get a little older and you go, I just hope, I hope we have a good weekend. I'm, I'm hopefully looking forward to the weekend. And then as you get a little older, you go, I hope I can get out of bed in the morning. The truth is, um, the older we get, if we allow it, the more hopeless we can become. And the other thing that can happen that can really cause hopelessness is the things you've put your hope in that never come to pass make you feel that there's nothing to hope for. I don't know where you're at today, but I want you to hear this. There is hope in Christ Jesus. So get your hopes up. You can have hope in Jesus Christ. That's the invitation of the Advent season. It's a time to reflect it's a time in this busyness of life to slow down and remember Jesus has appeared and he will appear again. That's what Paul was writing to his disciple Titus, his son in the Lord, if you will, Titus. He sent him down to the island of Crete to, to secure that church down there that Paul had planted, and he, he sent Titus down there to be the elder, the chief elder of that church. And he said to him, he said, Titus, I, I want to explain to you, and I want to encourage you and urge you to rest in the hope, the blessed hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And I believe today that we can have that hope, that blessed hope in Jesus. And as we look at the text today, I think we'll see why the hope we have in Jesus is a blessed hope. So let's look today, and we'll be looking for three reasons why the hope we have in Christ is a blessed hope. We'll start at verse 11 of chapter 2 of the book of Titus. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. This is God's word. Amen. We're looking for three reasons why the hope we have in Christ is a blessed hope. Here's the first, because it is anchored 
in the grace of salvation. The hope that we have in Christ is a blessed hope because it's anchored, it's tied off like a rope. It's tied off and anchored in what Christ has already done. If you look at verse 11, you'll notice that the word appeared is in the past tense. It says, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation. This points to the grace of God, which is the favor, the unmerited favor of God, which is what we have in Jesus. Jesus is the greatest gift of all time. It says in the Bible, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He's the greatest gift. And so that's that unmerited favor. That's what the word grace means. And he's already appeared. So you see Paul's writing this in the past tense in verse 11, that this salvation, this grace, this Christ Jesus has already appeared. That word appeared is in the text twice. Do you, do you see it? It's in verse 11, and it's again in verse 13. It's, uh, in the Greek, it's the word that today we get epiphany from, uh, uh, epiphino, epiphino in the Greek. But it's the idea of, of appearance or of coming or, or to, to see a great light, to have an epiphany like that. In, in, the, in the Latin Vulgate translation of Titus, it actually says adventum when it comes to that word. It's where we get the word advent. And so he says it here in the past tense in verse 11, and then in the verse 13, he says it uh, in the present tense, like a participle, that it's something happening now. And so I would first want to focus on verse 11, and then I want to also focus on verse 13 where he says, blessed hope. Do you see that? Circle that in your text. He says we have this blessed hope. The word blessed could be translated completely, happily content to be Blessed to the max, if you will. He says it's a blessed hope. And then this hope, as we've mentioned before, uh, it's not like the common use that we use commonly when we say the word wish. And if you think about a wish, a wish is really dependent upon the power or the strength of the one who's making the wish. Or It's not like I'm hoping, like if I hope hard enough, this will come true. That's not like that. This hope... This blessed hope rests not in the person's strength, but in the person of Jesus and his faithfulness that he has already come. So this hope is tied like, like a rope anchored around the cradle and the cross and the facts of the gospel of Jesus has appeared. The grace of God bringing salvation has already happened. It's already happened. And so that's what Advent's about. It's about taking a moment to slow down for just a bit in the busyness of our lives and to reflect and remember because we're a forgetful people and we easily forget the important things and we get caught up in the temporary things and we get worried and, and bogged down. But just to pull away for a minute like we are doing this morning and go, he did come. I believe that. And my hope is anchored in that truth that he came. And I have believed him. Have you, have you believed him that he's the Lord Jesus, that he died for your sins, that he was raised on the third day, and that he lives today? If you have that, you have that blessed hope in Christ Jesus. It's what Peter was talking about in 1 Peter chapter 1. He says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. 
And so this hope we have is not a dead hope. It's a living hope because Christ is risen. And our faith, our hope is anchored in the reality of his death, burial, and resurrection. You see, hope and waiting, well, they go hand in hand. And don't we as Americans, I would say that Americans above any other civilization on planet Earth, we love waiting the most, don't we? No, we don't. We're not very good at waiting. We, we hate to wait. But there's something about hope. It demands waiting, but not passive waiting, but to wait with expectation. So to wait not passively, but patiently. Always looking back. Is, here is what Paul's saying to Titus. Remember what it was like before he came. Uh, speaking of that, the whole Old Testament, it's about the people of God before he came. They were all waiting for the first advent. And they were waiting with hope. You know, there's over 300 messianic prophecies in the Old Testament. 300 places where it predicts what the Messiah will be like, where he would be born. It says in the book of Micah that he'd be born in Bethlehem. That he would be born by a virgin, it says in Isaiah. It, it goes on to talk about other things, details in Isaiah chapter 53 that describes how he will be crucified and how he will suffer. Psalm 22 even tells us the last words he'll say up on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Psalm 22, verse 1, 300 times back here, and they're looking for him. It reminds me of an old man named Simeon. Maybe you've heard of him. It's in the book of Luke chapter 2. It's the part of the Christmas story we often overlook. Old Simeon had been waiting. He had studied those 300 prophecies. He had been waiting for Messiah to come. And we read in Luke chapter 2, Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. That word Christ is, is just the Greek word for Messiah. It means the same thing, Messiah, Christ. They both mean the anointed one, the promised one. And so here's Simeon. He's waiting for the first advent. The Holy Spirit, he's getting old now, but the Holy Spirit's told him, you're going to see him. You're going to see him before you die. And so, can you see him now? If we continue in the story, he'd been going to the temple every day looking for the Messiah. The Holy Spirit told him, you're going to see, you're going to see the Lord's Christ. You're going to see him. And then here comes, on the eighth day after his birth, which was according to the law of Moses, that a firstborn son, a, a newborn son, was to be brought to the temple to be circumcised on the eighth day. And so here comes young Mary and her husband Joseph, and they come bringing their firstborn and, and you know how you were, if you're a parent, you know how you were with your firstborn, right? You remember when you first had to check them in the nursery the first time? You're like, I don't know. You know, some of you still won't do it. Some of you go, I can't do it. I can't, I can't hand my child off to those people in the nursery. I'm going to bring them into the, into the worship center. I can't do it. And, and that's how you were at the first. Then after you have the third one, you just throw them in there, you know. <laughs> Here, take them. Take them all. You know, like that. You know what I'm talking about, right? But that first one. You're so careful with that first one. And here they come, and it's the eighth day. This is a newborn now, newborn Jesus. And here comes old Simeon. Give me that baby. Like that. And Mary, can you see Mary? And he takes baby Jesus, and he lifts him up in the air, and he says, my eyes have now seen him. <laughs> 
He lifts him up like that. My eyes, I've been waiting for this. It says, he says, for my eyes have seen your salvation. He says, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. He's like, I can die and go to heaven now. I can see, I see the first, I see him. He, and, he, and then he prophesies over him. He says, he'll be a light of revelation for the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And, and here's, here's Joseph and Mary. They're marveling over there like, wow, we, wow. It's not, just, it's not just the shepherds that came. It's not just angel Gabriel. We're getting this blessing from so many people. This is awesome. And they're marveling. And then Simeon blessed them. And he said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that will be opposed. And then he looks her right in the eyes and he goes, And a sword will pierce your soul also so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And then he prophesied right there, this baby will be the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He, he foresaw that this Messiah would fulfill not just part of the Old Testament, but even the part that he would be a sacrifice for our sins. Old Simeon was waiting for the first advent but we've already received it. It's already happened. Our hope is anchored there. And now we can look forward with hope, with just as much assurance, knowing that what he has done, he will do again. That's Advent, that he will appear again. Do you have this blessed hope today? It begins by making a decision to receive Jesus yourself. To receive him and say, I want you to be Lord of my life. I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. That you were raised from the grave and that you live today. I believe the facts of the gospel. Come into my life. I surrender my life to you. Have you done that? That's how hope begins. That's how it's anchored. It's anchored in the person of Jesus. And so that's the first reason we can have this blessed hope in Christ. Here's the second. It's because it is being trained in godly living. This hope is being trained, this blessed hope, we're, we're now in the present tense. If you'll notice these verses, Paul begins in the past tense, he moves into the present, and then into the future. But now we're at the present, in this present age. We're at verse 12 now, and he says, training us, what's training us? This grace of God that's appeared. It's training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. So there's some stuff to say no to. And there's some stuff to say yes to. And to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives when? In the present age. Oh, this is present tense hope. This is how to live in hope right now. In the present age. What unusual language. It's as if this present age is something that will have a beginning, a middle, and an end. Because it will. I wonder where we are in this present age. The present age is now 2,000 years old. We're, are we at the beginning? No, the beginning of the present age took place at the first advent. And here we are, 2,000 years later. Are we at the middle of the present age? I don't think so. I think we're well past the middle. And even as we watch the news and see all the activity in the Middle East, we have to remember that for most of those 2,000 years, there was no state of Israel. From 70 A.D. until 1947, A.D., there was no Israel. But there needs to be an Israel for the prophecies concerning his second coming to come to pass. And there's been an Israel ever since 1947. 
The world wants Israel to disappear, but it keeps on being here. We don't live at the beginning of the age. That's when the first advent was. I don't think we live at the middle of the age. This present age is coming tick-tock near the end. And the end is when he's coming again. Are you with me? Do you understand that the time is short? And so this present age is an age where we first of all should renounce or say no to ungodliness. It's kind of like this. It's kind of like Jesus could come today, so I need to get my house in order. Amen. I need to get, like if I got company coming over. Now some of you are in my small group, and, and last week it was at my house. It was at my house last week. And so my wife and I, we scrambled around that house. We put stuff under things and all kinds of things to make it look good. <laughs> my wife, she, she'd be like, shoot me, like, no, we didn't. We cleaned up. Yeah, we did. I, I even went in, and, I, and it was cold in the middle of the week. You remember last week when it was cold? And we, we're in Wilson, North Carolina, aren't we? It was cold last week. I put logs in the fireplace and had newspaper under it ready to light. I, I, we, we had coffee. Re- all you had to do was push the button to make coffee. Uh, we, we had all of our lights on. We had the place decorated for Christmas because company was coming. Now, we knew exactly what time they were coming or what time they were supposed to come, and we were, we were looking out the window like, I hear a car, a bear open the front door. You see, that's what you do when you expect guests. In the present, that's what you do. You make preparation. You say no to some stuff in order to say yes to some stuff. And Paul says, in this present age, in this present hope, Renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. Worldly passions, temporary stuff that will, it'll give you hope for a moment, but it just wears out. It loses that new car smell almost immediately. Stop worrying about that stuff and instead start living, waiting, and living for self-controlled, upright, and God. Start living as if Jesus could show up today like that. That's what it means to live actively waiting with hope in the present age. How do we do this? How, well, one way is you get your thinking right. You, put, you say no to stinking thinking, and you put on a new way of thinking, a sober-minded way of thinking, looking forward. It says in 1 Peter, Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ, at the appearing of His return. Get your minds in gear. What if he knocks at the door today? Like get up in the morning and go, Lord Jesus, is the day the day you're coming back? You believe that? Oh, we're so busy. We, we tend to pray. We get up in the morning and go, Lord, I got this to do, this to do, this to do, this to do. Can you help me with these things that I have planned for myself? And we give him our laundry list. Could you clean this, wash that, and make sure you, that's, you know, that's a color, so put, don't put that with the whites. And, and, and we're very detailed about what we want and what we plan and what we need. And it's all worldly, and it'll all pass away. Oh, it's important, I'm sure. You'll forget about it tomorrow. You'll have a new list tomorrow. But he's coming again. He's coming again. He's coming again. And this present age will soon be gone. So renounce the things that are temporary to this world. Just, just, just put them on the back burner for a while and go, Lord, what do you want me to do today? I'm hoping for you. My hope is in your soon return. You know, 
It says in the book of Romans that we need the Holy Spirit to help us with this. It says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. You know, that's one of the marks that you're walking in the Spirit, that you're living for Jesus, is that you, uh, you have so much hope, you, you, you're overflowing it on other people, so that hopeless people get hope. They just want to follow you around and get some hope. Because you have a fountain of hope flowing out of you in this present age. Because you know he has come and he is coming again. You know, we've taken several mission trips to places around the world through the years. And this coming year we're planning to take, I think it's our fifth or sixth as a church, trip to Uganda. And so some of you already have attended the informational meeting for that. And others may still show some interest in our Uganda trip. Now, because we've been... Because we've been, we kind of know what to expect. And we know there's some preparations in the present we have to start making. Like we need to go ahead and make sure we get our passport because you have to have a passport to travel to Uganda or out of the country, right? So that takes a little time. So you can't wait to the last minute to get your passport. You can't just like get on the plane and go, oh, I forgot to get my passport. No, they won't let you on the plane. Uh, you've got to get your shots. I, I, I hate to tell you this, but if you go into a third world country, you've got to get some shots, right? You've got to go. There's a place over in Raleigh. We send people that they're experts at international uh, trips, and they'll, okay, Uganda, you're going, to need, you're going to need dengue fever, yellow fever. You're going to need all these things, right? It's dengue or whatever. I can't remember the name of it. But there's a whole list of shots. You just line up, and it hits you in both arms. I mean, you know, you've got to do all that. And you got to raise funds, and you got to pray, and you got to plan and prepare, and then you got to pack. And all this stuff has to happen in the present because hopefully you're going. But in the present, you have to actively prepare, and hope prepares in the present age. And you're going to need a passport to get to heaven. It just says Jesus on the front. The, I've got a blue passport that says United States of America on it, and you open it up, it's got a picture of me in there and got some other stuff. And that, that says I'm a citizen of the United States. But I've got a better passport. It's a passport for heaven because I'm a member of the kingdom of heaven. Are you? And so you need a passport. And you need to pack and get ready. You need to be prepared. Okay. We're going to say no to some stuff and yes to some stuff in this present age. And here's the third reason that this hope in Christ is a blessed hope. It's because it anticipates the glory of Christ's return. It anticipates the glory of Christ's return. Now, this is a future hope. We've talked about the past hope. We've talked about the present hope. Now, this is a future hope that's waiting for the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. We're at verses 13 and 14, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. He's not only our Savior, He's our God. Make no mistake, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, He's coming again. And He gave Himself for us, it says. He purchased us with His own life. He did that back here. And that same Jesus that did that is the same Jesus whose appearing is in the future. And He will come this time not as one who was born amidst those humble means, not as one who just walked uh, upon this earth and got his feet in those dusty sandals walking the Via Dolorosa in Jerusalem, not just like that, but he'll come as the glorious shining one 
who when John saw him in the book of Revelation, he fell out like a dead man when he saw him. He was so glorious. That's the one who's coming again. And he won't be coming in a stable. He won't be coming to Bethlehem. He'll be coming through the eastern gate of the city of Jerusalem. Now, the Muslims have it bricked up, but I don't think that's going to be a problem. I don't think that's going to be a problem for him to pass through the eastern gate. He's coming again. And when he comes again, he comes to redeem us from lawlessness. He's already, he's already paid the price. He, he's already paid online, and he's waiting for delivery. Delivery of what? You. You. Where do you see that, Gary? He wants to purify for himself a people for his own possession. Why did he die for you? Why? We, love motivated him, but what was his reason? He wanted you. He wanted you. What does God need? He doesn't need anything. What does he want? He wants you. He wants you for his own possession. He wants you as part of his family. And so he, 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 he's coming back again to take those he already bought and paid for. He's coming for pickup. He's already paid. He's got the receipt. He's coming for pickup. He's coming again. He's coming soon, and he's coming to redeem us from our sinful lives and to purify us and get us ready for heaven. And he wants us to be those people that are zealous, on fire for good works. In other words, he's restoring our original purpose that God always had for humanity, that we would be the imago dei, the image of God spreading his glory. So we become, when we see him, when we see the glorious one, we become reflections of his glory. We become his glorious ones as his possession. That's what we look forward to. That's what Advent is about. You know, there's something that God does to expectant mothers. I don't know how he does it. It's some kind of, of uh, mother amnesia that for nine months she labors and, and she awaits with, with hope and expectancy for a child. And then that last bit of labor is the most urgent and the most suffering. But then as soon as the child appears, and I've been there three times with my wife, she goes from groaning to smiling and tears of joy when she sees the child's face. And she immediately gets amnesia about what she went through. Because compared to the glory, the weight of the glory is so much greater and the suffering that it fades away that's what paul was writing about in romans chapter 8 he says i consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us we ourselves who have the first first fruits of the spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons the redemption of our bodies for in this hope we were saved now, hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope, we hope for what we do not see, and we wait for it with patience. Like an expected mom. We're in the present age right now, and there's suffering, there's groaning, there's trouble, but there's a day coming where that glory will cause us to forget all of those things as we see the risen Savior in his glorious appearing. Do you have this hope? Hope that's anchored in his past works of salvation. Hope that trains us in the present to take our eyes off of 
temporary things and to put them on eternal things. Hope that looks forward to his glorious appearing. This is Advent. Advent means hope. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, our hope is in you. Our hope is in you. And I pray for the person here today that is listening right now. Maybe you're in this room or the next room or watching online. But right here, right now, would you decide to anchor your hope in Jesus? You can do it right now in prayer. You can make a decision right now to follow him. Pray with me. Make a decision right now. Dear Lord Jesus, pray like this. Dear Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you were raised again on the third day. I believe that you're alive today, and I invite you to come and live in me and forgive me of my sins. Give me that living hope. I want you as my Savior and my Lord. I commit to follow you the rest of my life. Thank you for saving me. If you're praying that prayer of faith, believing he will do that very thing you've asked. That's why he came. Others are here today, and you have received Jesus. You're a Christ follower, but you've been feeling hopeless. Maybe it's because the season reminds you of someone you've lost. Maybe there's an empty seat at the table. Maybe there's something else going on in your life. There's suffering, there's trouble, and you've, you've lost hope. Right now, would you pray with me and just put your hope back where it belongs? Dear Lord Jesus, we believe. We know we're your, we're your possession. We know you're coming again. Forgive us for taking our eyes off of you. You are our blessed hope. You are our living hope. Lord, I pray now for that one who is missing a loved one this season that they would be comforted by this hope. For that one who's experiencing trial and difficulty, that they would know it is temporary and have their hope in you that you will meet their needs. Lord, we thank you that we have this hope. Forgive us for taking our eyes off of you. We pray it now in Jesus' name. Amen.